The Arizona Cardinals, A-plus, 2023 NFL Draft. You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On Cardinals, your team every day. Alex Clancy here. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards. Go to the YouTube page, man. Like, subscribe, turn notifications on. I mean, what in the wide world did we experience Thursday through Saturday of last week? You know, it's here's the thing: is I'm not used to this. Um for those in the comments talking about why I still comment on Steve Kime, that's pretty much over with. The reason why I discuss Steve Kime still lightly peppered in as it were is because he's one of the main catalysts as to why the Cardinals were here and had to focus the way that they did starting Thursday of last week in the NFL draft. And what we witnessed, I talked about this on Friday, but I'm going to bring it back is something completely different, calculated, forward thinking, roster building. I mean, it was, it was poetry in motion. And this is for any organization. Like I talk about here where I grade on a curve sometimes because you know, the Cardinals have a way to go and that's fine. They hit rock bottom. This is exactly what's supposed to happen. But that was by all measures, exactly what the Arizona Cardinals needed to do in an effort to position themselves for a positive future. Now, there were some charts that showed the Cardinals not having the greatest value draft, the 2023 draft. And I think some of that must have to do with them trading down from three. And, you know, the, there were some interesting position choices in the later rounds. But the focal point going into the draft was they must hit in the first two rounds. It's kind of the training wheels for Monty Austin for. Just got to hit in the first two. Got to make the right decisions. Got to maximize the third overall pick. Got to still have value with your first round pick. And you have to be able to hit in second round in the second round. And what Monty Osifor did was take that unscrew the training wheels, throw them at my face and say, I don't need these. Sweet. And I'll talk about, you know, what this does, not only for this season, but for next, as well as a conversation that went pretty deep on Twitter over the weekend where I said they got to extend Buda Baker and, and DeAndre Hopkins, both of them. And I didn't realize the polarizing thought processes from fans. And I'm, I'm curious, I'm going to talk about that in the third segment. It, it's worthy of it at this point to really discuss now that you've kind of got a picture of what the roster is going to look like in 2023 and how the Cardinals have positioned themselves favorably in 2024, it looks like, at least by all projections, that maybe it's a different look for the Cardinals in 2023 to position themselves to maybe maximize even more and even more potently in 2024 by keeping two of their stars. 
So I'll talk about that in the third segment. But I wanted to take this entire first segment to kind of just reflect. Now, for those that didn't see the draft, that are still playing catch up, the Cardinals traded back from 3-12 to with Houston, picking up Houston's second-round pick this season and first-round pick next season. Their first-round pick, not the Cleveland Browns' first-round pick that they have control over because of the Deshaun Watson trade. And then Monty Osfort moved back up to six, giving up the second-round pick that they had just acquired from Houston, but still maintaining the Cardinals' control over Houston's 2024 first-round pick. Move up to trade, uh, move up and draft Paris Johnson, offensive tackle, out of Ohio State. And in the comments, it's, well, the Cardinals could have got him at 12. They could have got him at 12. No, they couldn't have. They couldn't have. So there's that. That's why they moved up to six. Was it a reach at six where it wouldn't have been a reach at nine? We're splitting hairs here. The Cardinals got that he looks like he's going to play inside initially. And then what happens with DJ Humphreys or Kelvin Beecham, he could play on both sides of the line. So we'll see what happens. The point is with the sixth overall pick with offensive tackle, six, six, big boy wanted to play here. This, again, is what people were saying last season when the Cardinals passed on Tyler Linderbaum that, oh, they have Rodney Hudson. It's fine. Can no longer think existentially. Can no longer think just for this year. That's what losing organizations do. The Cardinals got their guy. They got their protector of Kyler Murray. And he can play a different position. So it doesn't really matter where he plays his first year. As long as he's on the roster. And that's the check mark that Monty Osifor was able to achieve. Now, second round pick. The Cardinals were picking at 33. And the interesting part about this was Will Levis was still on the board. So my co-host, Locked On NFL Thursday, Tyler Rowland, Locked On Titans. He now has the new quarterback of the future. And the Cardinals traded back, moved back to 41, and got the Titans' third-round pick, which kind of made up for the tampering situation where the Cardinals had to swap 66 for late in the third round with Philly. And they drafted edge rusher B.J. Ojolari, the guy who was in my first mock, I believe, in the second round. Edge rusher out of LSU. And you can kind of see a little bit of a difference here where you're not drafting an undersized wide receiver in the second round. You're not drafting a tight end in the second round where you had glaring needs elsewhere. They checked the boxes. Protect Kyler Murray, get after the quarterback. Those were two of the three that I was pining for last draft. Protect Kyler Murray, get after the quarterback, defend opposing wide receivers. And the Cardinals punted on all three pretty much. So what they did in the first two rounds, that's what I was looking most for with Monty Osfort. Now, with the third-round pick that was Tennessee's draft pick at 72, they drafted Garrett Williams out of Syracuse, the cornerback. Had a season-ending injury last year. People looked at him as a way better prospect than Keely Ringo, et cetera, and he's going to be a starter week one if he's healthy. So that checks all three boxes in the first three picks that I was pining for going into the 2020 two draft that Steve Kime just punted on. And then in the third round, you know, people were really, really on the, on the Max Whipler train. Okay. Center, center, center off. You know, he was a buddy offensive line with Paris Johnson, Ohio state last year. And 
they elected to go with Michael Wilson, wide receiver out of Stanford, watching some tape on this dude. Like, he's big, can play outside. Like, it, what what we've been, those who cover the team and those who are fans of the team, have been severely removed from is the high middle round talent picks popping just hasn't really happened with the Cardinals. I mean, you could say Marco Wilson, I guess he's serviceable. He has upside, but he hasn't popped like third round picks or pro bowlers all the time. And the Cardinals just haven't had them. I mean, whether it be them trading for Rodney Hudson, not having a third round pick or Steve Kime just missing like what we've seen through the first three rounds of this year are a couple things. One, the Cardinals now have six picks in the first three rounds of next season, and they drafted four positions of need in the first three rounds. Yahtzee. And then to go on, you know, uh, John Gaines was the fourth-round pick, offensive lineman interior out of UCLA. He plays every position. Zach Charbonnet, who went to uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Seahawks, he blocked for him. The dude was an absolute baller at UCLA. Okay. Quarterback Clayton Toon taken in the fifth round. It's a little higher than I thought. I mean, I know that they're not going to roll out with Colt McCoy. This was another point of contention. It's like the Cardinals have so many more needs than quarterback right now. But if you take him in the fifth, fine. He was a baller, four-year starter in Houston. He has some some uh, Case Keenum kind of vibes with a cannon. Uh, taking linebacker out of Auburn. Like what they did on day three was just draft. Incredible talented, smart athletes. Cottrell uh, uh, Clark, corner out of Louisville, sixth round, and then Dante Stills, a defensive tackle out of West Virginia. The Cardinals nailed this draft. That's all there is to it. I'm going to talk so much more in depth about this, but I wanted to do today just kind of like an overview of everything that's happened. And one thing that before, like, as I'm recording this podcast, I recorded it Monday morning on purpose. Isaiah Simmons, are they going to pick up his fifth-year option? Are they not? That's something that is very, very important for a couple different reasons. And I will discuss as we roll on here, Locked on Cardinals, your team every day. First, this episode of Locked on Cardinals is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need the best-tasting protein bar ever, man. Built. You got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you, man. Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. They're all covered in 100% real chocolate, and they come in incredible flavors. Churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like candy bar while maintaining amazing macros, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. Now, you don't need to wait to get a box. Like I used to always say, go to built.com, go to built.com, go to built.com. But now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's club while still getting your specialty flavors still at built.com. That's right. Head to the nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, uh, double chocolate or coconut puff. And if you're close to Sam's club, run in and grab a 13 bar box of our hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later. Locked on Cardinals, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Tomorrow, 
everydayers tomorrow on the show, Ari Mayrov, the 33rd team, one of the best in the business. He's going to join me for a couple segments to give his thoughts on the Arizona Cardinals draft. It's going to be a guest heavy, guest heavy week. Um, I've got some pretty smart friends that I like to bring on from time to time. Ari Mayrov from the 33rdteam.com is going to join me tomorrow. Isaiah Simmons. He's such, again, and I say this a lot, like a polarizing character. Because when we think of Isaiah Simmons, what do you think of? Like, what's the first thing you think of when you think of Isaiah Simmons? An absolute terror in college? Kind of got drafted in a we don't really know where we're going to put him kind of way, which is has been on brand, you know, for the Cardinals, but in the last regime, obviously Hassan Reddick. And when I think of Isaiah Simmons, I think built in a lab, 6'3", 245, 4440, absolute machine, hits really hard. Hits hard to the point of getting personal fouls, hits hard, even if they're not warranted. The one thing, the flashball memory that I still have of Isaiah Simmons it's, I know he's made some defensive plays, interceptions, sub third too. One of which was the hit on Cam Newton, his rookie season in New England. It was on the sidelines. It was on the game-winning drive or the potential game-winning drive by New England. He lit Cam Newton up, got charged, got called for a 15-yard personal foul penalty, and it wasn't a penalty. He just lit up Cam Newton, and they're not used to seeing a guy the size of Cam Newton getting flying like that. And Nick Folk ended up kicking the game-winning field goal. The Cardinals lost, I think, 19-16, something like that. 16-13. It was an ugly game. 19-17, maybe. And then the second one I remember is the interception of Russell Wilson, Sunday night football, COVID flex game. And he had the, the play of the year defensively with the interception that, that set up the game-winning field goal. What I've expected of Isaiah Simmons starting last season was the emergence of a Pro Bowl player, was that step. And we've seen, again, we've seen flashes. We've seen what I call here, oh my God moments. We've seen it. And I don't know if it's scheme. I don't know if it was Van Joseph's defense. I don't know if it was because the defense was lacking in talent, especially when Byron Murphy and others went down with injury. I don't know what it is. But I do know that inside Isaiah Simmons is greatness. I do know that. And they have until, I believe, end of day today to make a decision on Isaiah Simmons on picking up his fifth-year option. This doesn't mean they're going to have to give him $100 million. I think it's an absolute, no doubt about it, no-brainer. No-brainer. You're going to bring in a guy who's a linebacker's coach. You're going to bring in a guy who's a defensive coordinator for one of the better defenses we've seen over the last handful of seasons. And Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rallis. Nick Rallis. If you're ever going to find out if Isaiah Simmons has Pro Bowl potential in him, it's with these guys. And it's with a 4-3 base, even though the base is going to be kind of fluid. As Nick, Jonathan Gannon said in his introductory press conference, he goes, we don't really have a scheme. We're going to play the strengths of the defense and, you know, and, and react to the offenses that they're playing against. But if you have Isaiah Simmons in more of a C quarterback, hit quarterback role, and I know that's not his traditional, he doesn't have a traditional place on an NFL field. What he does have 
is incredible speed, incredible hitting ability. And usually when those two things happen, even if he's technically a little bit undersized for a pass rusher, who cares? You do not want him in coverage as much as he was last year. I feel like that's obvious. And with what happens with Buda Baker, I mean, there's a conversation to be had about potentially moving him to safety. I just don't think that he's too big. I just don't think it's a natural fit. I'd want him around the line of scrimmage and ball hawking the quarterback. But when we talk about all this, okay, Isaiah Simmons is set to make $12.7 million with his option if they were to pick it up. Okay. They're going to have some more cap space next season. I know that there's going to need to be some movement regarding that. Um, Especially like, so the only thing that this does is maybe overpay him for one year just to see. But what we've seen, and normally it's like, well, you can't let the past dictate and predicate what they do in the future. In this instance, they should. Because you cannot let another cautionary tale walk out the door like a Reddick. You cannot do it. So with that, if that's a penance that the Cardinals have to pay for completely just messing up Hassan Reddick's entire career as a Cardinal, and all he's done has been all pro pretty much since then, you need to keep a guy who is bigger, faster, and more traditional body to be an excellent NFL player than Hassan Reddick on the roster for an extra 17 games. And if he balls out this year, just extend him after after this season. And don't don't pay him on the fifth-year option. Figure it out then. The Arizona Cardinals need as many games as possible to determine if Isaiah Simmons is is a pro bowler because we're starting over here. We're starting over completely. And what we're watching is the Arizona Cardinals in a transitionary phase. And because of that, I've said it multiple times. You, It's going to be a little clunky at times, and that's okay. Under that guise, Isaiah Simmons needs to be an Arizona Cardinal as part of his rookie scout contract as much as possible. So I think it's an absolute no-brainer to exercise the fifth-year option. We'll find out. Lockdown Cardinals, your team every day. Buda Baker and DeAndre Hopkins need to remain Arizona Cardinals. It's not even close. Locked on Cardinals, your team every day. Alex Clancy here. Thanks for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen each and every day, free and available on all platforms. I'm your host, Alex Clancy. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow the podcast at Locked on AZ Cards. Ari Mayrov, tomorrow, 33rd team, one of the best in the business, is going to join me to talk about Cardinals draft. It's going to be fun. DeAndre Hopkins and Buda Baker, nothing to do with the Arizona Cardinals draft, except for the fact that both could have been moved on draft day and they weren't. And there's a couple of reasons why I think that happened, number one, or I think it didn't happen, number one. And number two, especially as it pertains to DeAndre Hopkins and what new GM Monty Osiford said about him, was I feel like Kyler Murray could be back quicker than people think. DeAndre Hopkins is an Arizona Cardinal. DeAndre Hopkins will not get traded today. DeAndre Hopkins is an Arizona Cardinal. He said it a lot. And DeAndre Hopkins has never been like, get me out of here, okay? They were going to move him to save capital, to save cap, and get some draft picks. The draft pick thing went down the tubes real quick 
fourth and a fifth, you ain't giving up that for DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. It ain't going to happen. So yes, it may be clunky. Yes, it may be expensive. Yes, DeAndre Hopkins is 31 and he missed the first six games of last year with suspension. But he's still one of the best receivers in the NFL. He's never relied on speed for success. And he's an Arizona Cardinal and he's a perfect wide receiver one without a massive ego like a lot of wide receiver ones have. He's perfect for the culture, for the ecosystem. He is. And he and Kyler Murray, when they're healthy, do pretty well together. So I think you need to extend him, front load it, give him some, we're going to placate you money in the in 2023 to get through it. And then in 2024, you roll out Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and Hollywood Brown. Plus the other wide receivers that they have. Could be a lot worse. Buda Baker, he's the leader of the team. I, on Twitter, like, you know, Buda Baker is, you know, he wanted out. He wanted money first, and then he requested a trade. Buda Baker is the Arizona Cardinals. The first still that we saw Monty Osborne was him shaking Buda Baker's hand in a hallway. They want Kyler, uh, They want Buda Baker. They need to show Buda Baker how much they want him. He's 28. Is he the top best safety in the NFL? No. Does it always matter that you're the most talented for the benefit of a team? No. J.J. Watt got $40 million for two years. Was he going to be the best defensive player? No. Did he change the culture? 100%. Or the Cardinals better off with J.J. Watt than without him? Yes. And J.J. Watt was, what, three, four, five years older than Buda Baker is now? Buda Baker has bled Cardinals red since he got drafted, okay? He and Jalen Thompson together are a force. Imagine having a pass rush. Imagine having a cornerback room with more talent. Imagine having a linebacking core with more talent. Buda Baker has been doing this pretty much alone at the top for a couple years, and he said nothing. He deserves a contract extension. Give it to him. And guess what, ladies and gents, everydayers here on Locked on Cardinals? Three years from now, it's going to look like a steal. Kyler Murray's already like the seventh highest paid quarterback. This is an absolute bona fide no-brainer. Look beyond the box score here. Buda Baker is the most important Arizona Cardinal on the roster right now, not in Kyler Murray, and it's not close. Prove it. Prove to him that he's important, and he will be loyal until his last football down. Locked on Cardinals, your team every day. I'll talk to you tomorrow.